The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Harry Potter Theory YouTube channel. Hey everyone, welcome to another installment of Harry Potter Theory. Today, we're going to be discussing the captivating works of Beadle the Bard. Specifically, we're going to be diving into who Beadle was, what lessons his stories teach, what they're about, and how his stories have so effectively managed to stand the test of time. Within the realm of Harry Potter, Beadle the Bard is a renowned author whose stories have been cherished by generations of witches and wizards. His collection of magical fables, aptly titled The Tales of Beadle the Bard, holds a special place in the hearts of fans worldwide. You've never heard of the tales of Beadle the Bard? Ron asked Hermione incredulously in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. This just about sums up why the tales are so special. For centuries, the fables have been the staple of wizarding childhoods, the sound of bedtime stories. To children who grew up in wizarding families, the hopping pot and the fountain of fair fortune are as familiar to them as Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty are to muggle children. Beadle's tales provide us with delightful glimpses into the rich folklore of the wizarding world. As we explore his works, let us not only marvel at the magic and wonder encapsulated within these timeless stories, but also reflect on the wisdom they impart. Each of these tales offer a wealth of knowledge and understanding, presenting us with valuable life lessons and thought-provoking dilemmas to contemplate. Without further ado, let's dive into it. Are they fairy tales? The first thing I want to address is whether or not Beadle's stories can be considered fairy tales. In the Muckle world, fairy tales are traditional stories that have been passed down through generations, often originating from oral traditions and later being recorded and adapted into written form. These tales typically feature magical elements, enchanting creatures, and moral lessons. But in a world where magic is interwoven into the fabric of reality, do fairy tales still exist? It's fascinating to ponder if fairy tales can exist in a world where magic is so ever-present. In many ways, Beadle's stories do share similarities with our traditional fairy tales. They embrace the notion of virtue being rewarded and wickedness being punished, just like the tales we grew up with. His stories also offer valuable lessons for children to unravel and discuss with their parents. As far as the magic thing, Perhaps it's possible that the true magic of a fairy tale lies not in the literal spells and enchantments, but in the power of the words and the imagination of the writer. If this is the case, perhaps Beadle's stories are not so different from fairy tales after all. As long as the words transport you to a place of wonder and magic, whether there are explicitly described spells or not, the essence of a fairy tale remains. Perhaps this is a good time to bring up the wise words of Albus Dumbledore, of course it is happening inside your head, Harry, but why on earth should that mean that it is not real? The magic of a tale, whether it be through a magical world with wizards and witches, or a traditional fairy tale castle, is very much alive and real within our imaginations. Who was Beadle the Bard? Beadle the Bard, the beloved storyteller of the wizarding world, has left an indelible mark on magical literature. While much of his life remains shrouded in mystery, we do know a few details about this enigmatic figure. According to historical accounts, Beadle the Bard was a wizard who lived in the 15th century. Born in Yorkshire, England, his birth name and exact birth date are unknown, 
However, we do know that he possessed exceptional storytelling skills and had an exceptionally luxuriant beard, as shown in the surviving woodcut that depicts him. Beetle the Bard's claim to fame lies in his collection of fairy tales, aptly titled The Tales of Beetle the Bard. These enchanting tales encompass a variety of themes, from the pursuit of power to the importance of love and sacrifice. Aside from his facial hair, it's impossible to truly know Beetle, but perhaps we can catch a glimpse of him in his stories. A wizard who was sympathetic to muggles, mistrusted dark magic, and believed that kindness, common sense, and ingenuity were more admirable than even the most powerful magic. It's worth noting that the tales of Beetle the Bard have not only entertained generations of witches and wizards, but also provide valuable moral lessons and insights into the wizarding world. Many wizards and witches grew up hearing these tales, which were passed down from one generation to another, subsequently adding to the rich tapestry of magical lore. Beetle's Stories Within the pages of Beetle's tales, there lies a tapestry of wisdom and insight, subtly woven into captivating narratives that span the breadth of human emotions. Each tale invites us to reflect on the choices we make, the power of love and sacrifice, and the consequences of succumbing to the allure of power. Themes consistent within the greater story of Harry Potter. Albus Dumbledore once said, Words are, in my not-so-humble opinion, our most inexhaustible source of magic. So, let the magic of Beetle's tales ignite your imagination, and let's dive into some of his most popular stories. Unfortunately, I can't provide you with the entire stories, only summaries, so if you want the full versions, be sure to grab a copy online or at your local bookshop. Without further ado, let's dive into five of Beetle the Bard's stories. The Wizard and the Hopping Pot this story revolves around a kind-hearted old wizard who used his magic to help the muggles of his village. To avoid revealing his wizarding abilities, he cleverly disguised his magic as wondrous medicines brewed in an old cauldron. However, one day, the old wizard died, and upon his passing, the wizard bestowed his only son with all his belongings, including the mysterious pot. Unfortunately, the son possessed none of his father's kindness or magical skills, feeling little to no generosity or sympathy when it came to muggles. After his father's death, the son found the pot and a single slipper inside it, together with a note from his father that read, In the fond hope, my son, that you will never need this. Bitter for having been left nothing but a pot, the son began turning away every person who sought his help closing his door to the cries of those in need. The first person that the son closed his door on was an old woman whose granddaughter was plagued with warts. After the son shut the door on the old woman, a strange clacking sound emerged from the kitchen and when the son went to investigate, he saw that the pot had grown a foot with warts of its own. The next to seek the son's aid was an old man whose donkey was lost, but the son turned him away too only for the pot to start making donkey-like sounds. The next visitor was a young woman, who was hoping to find a cure for her sick baby. Over time, the son continued to get visitor after visitor, despite his refusal to help the people of his village. Eventually, however, he gave in, calling upon all of his neighbors to finally offer them help. With each request he fulfilled, the pot slowly emptied, until at last, out popped a mysterious slipper 
that perfectly fit the foot of the now silent pot. Together, they sauntered off into the sunset. The wizard in the hopping pot reminds readers of the importance of selflessness, kindness, and using one's talents to benefit others. It teaches us that the act of helping and caring for others is not just a responsibility, but also a source of personal growth and fulfillment. In an interview, JK Rowling explained that, Wizard in the Hopping Pot is kind of moral, really. It's to teach young witches and wizards that they should be using their magic altruistically. The Fountain of Fair Fortune The Fountain of Fair Fortune is a story about three witches and a knight who journey to a magical fountain in the hope of finding a cure for their personal hardships. Picture a secluded garden, veiled in strong magic, where once a year an unfortunate is given the chance to bathe in its waters and win fair fortune forevermore. People from all corners of the kingdom flocked to this garden, desperate to transform their lives. Among them were three witches, each carrying their own heavy burdens. Aisha, sick of a malady no healer could cure, hoped the fountain would restore her health. Ulthida, robbed and humiliated by a sorcerer, sought solace from her helplessness and poverty, and Amasa, abandoned by her beloved, hoped the fountain would help cure her grief and longing. Realizing the power of unity, the three witches joined forces in their quest. In a twist of fate, they found themselves tangled together with a hapless muggle knight as they passed through the garden's magical barrier. Only one of them would be allowed to bathe in the fountain, and the first two witches were initially dismayed by the extra competition. But soon, they discovered that the knight, named Sir Luckless for good reason, was filled with bravery and a sense of adventure. Together, they faced three challenges on their journey. First, a monstrous white worm, bloated and blind, who demanded proof of your pain. It was only through Aisha's tears of frustration that they managed to satisfy the creature and progress. Next, they encountered a steep slope that demanded the fruit of their labors. After numerous failed attempts, it was Althea's perseverance and hard work that finally led them forward. Lastly, they encountered a stream that asked for the treasure of your past. Despite their efforts, it seemed impossible to cross. However, Amasa had a brilliant idea to use her wand to withdraw the memories of her cruel and faithless lover, turning them into stepping stones that carried them to the fountain. But when they finally reached the fountain, Aisha's exhaustion and near-death state prevented her from reaching it. In a surprising turn of events, Althea's quick thinking and a powerful potion she brewed miraculously cured Aisha's malady. No longer needing the fountain's waters, Althea realized her own power to heal others and escape her own powerlessness and poverty. Similarly, Amata, once she realized her regrets and saw her lover's true nature, no longer needed the fountain's waters. She generously offered her turn to Sir Luckless as a reward for his bravery. Overwhelmed with newfound luck, the knight bathed in the fountain and then humbly pledged himself to Amata, recognizing her as a woman worthy of his love and devotion. Each witch achieved their dreams for a cure. A hapless knight won knowledge of his bravery, and Amata, the one witch who had faith in him, realized that she had found a man worthy of her. The four new friends set off arm in arm and ended up living out long, happy lives. 
The Fountain of Fair Fortune teaches the importance of empathy, friendship, and perseverance in overcoming challenges. It emphasizes the power of unity and selflessness in finding happiness and achieving personal growth. A small fun fact about this story, Lucius Malfoy once attempted to have the story censored at Hogwarts because of its depiction of marriage between a witch and a muggle. Fortunately, Dumbledore promptly refused Lucius's request. The Warlock's Hairy Heart In the haunting tale of the Warlock's Hairy Heart, we encounter a handsome and affluent young warlock who, fearing the vulnerabilities of love, turns to dark magic. He revels in the belief that his self-imposed isolation is admired, until he overhears his servants discussing his lack of a wife, dealing a bruising blow to his pride. Driven by a desire to be envied, the warlock embarks on a quest to find a beautiful and wealthy maiden. Fortune smiles upon him the next day when he encounters a woman who is both fascinated and repelled by him. After persuading her and her family to join him for a lavish feast, the warlock attempts to win her affections, borrowing words from a poet to impress her. However, the maiden challenges him, insisting on proof of his heart's existence. Reluctantly, he takes her to the castle's dungeon, unveiling his own withered, hairy heart ensnared in an enchanted crystal casket. You see, due to its long separation from his body, the heart has withered and become covered in black hair. Worried for his well-being, the maiden implores the warlock to return his heart to its rightful place, which he does. Overjoyed, she embraces him, yet the extended separation and exposure to dark magic have transformed his heart into a savage, uncontrollable force. This malevolent force compels the warlock to resort to extreme measures to obtain a genuinely human heart. In his pursuit of greater magical power, he tears out the heart of the young maiden, intending to replace his own. However, his heart proves too resilient, resisting the stolen heart's influence, rendering his magic futile. Determined not to be enslaved by his own heart's dark desires, he makes a harrowing decision and removes his own heart from his chest. Tragically, he perishes, clutching one heart in each hand, lying beside the lifeless body of the maiden. The Warlock's Hairy Heart serves as a cautionary tale, reminding us of the fundamental importance of love and connection. It warns against shutting oneself off from the world, for in doing so, we risk losing our humanity and becoming consumed by darkness. Babbity Rabbity and Her Cackling Stump In a land far away, there was a king who desired all of the magic in the world for himself. However, in order to gather all of the magic, he realized that he would first have to gather all of the witches and wizards in the world, prompting him to form the Brigade of Witch Hunters. But before he could do this, he needed to learn how to use magic himself, which led to his search for someone with magical abilities who could teach him. No genuine witches or wizards responded to his call, but one person did, a muggle who pretended to know magic. The muggle, armed with a handful of clever tricks, manages to impress the king and gain his trust. As his confidence grows, he begins to request precious jewelry and money in exchange for further teachings. However, little did he know that Babbity, the humble washerwoman in the king's service, was keeping a watchful eye. One day, the king and the muggle overheard Babbity laughing hysterically during one of their practices. This enraged the king, who demanded that the muggle help him perform 
in front of his subjects to show off his new abilities. The muggle makes up excuse after excuse to try and get out of it, but the king insists. Unsure of what to do next, the muggle travels to Bavity's cottage, where he discovers that she's a real witch. Following this, he blackmails her to help assist in tricking the king. They eventually agree that the best way to trick the king would be to have Bavity hide in a bush, making it seem as though the king himself is performing the magic. During the performance, the crowd is amazed by the various tricks, but when asked to raise the dead, the king fails, as Babati knows that such magic is impossible. The muggle then points at Babati in the bush and explains that a wicked witch had been blocking his magic. Babati then flees into a forest and disappears at the base of an old tree. In desperation, the muggle makes the bold proclamation that Babati has turned into a tree and calls for the tree to get cut down. As the crowd departs, the stump of the tree starts cackling, explaining that real wizards and witches can't be cut in half. To prove her point, she then suggests that they should cut the muggle in half to prove it. This, of course, prompts the muggle to finally confess that he's a fraud. But here's where it gets juicy. Babati then reveals that the king is cursed, and that he will feel the stroke of an axe every time a witch or wizard is harmed. In response to this, the king makes a proclamation declaring that witches and wizards are protected and that they must not be harmed. But that wasn't enough for Babati. She also demanded that a statue be built of herself to remind everyone of what had been decreed. The king vowed to fulfill her request and even went a step further by erecting a statue of her made of gold. At the end of the story, an old rabbit emerged from a hole in the stump that the statue was to be placed on, revealing that Babati had been hiding in her animagus form all along. From that day on, the statue of Babati remained on top of the stump, serving as a reminder that no witch or wizard should ever be harmed in that kingdom again. JK Rowling had this to say, Babati Rabbity and her cackling stump is the stupidest title ever written by man or beast, and of course when I wrote it, I never, I had not, at the point, when I gave Ron that title, I didn't imagine for a second that I was actually going to write the story. But I did get there, and it's a story about revenge, one witch's sort of cunning way of revenging herself for persecution, for muggle persecution. The Tale of the Three Brothers You will know this one, so I won't go into too much detail. This tale tells the story of three wizard brothers who come across a treacherous river on their travels. They use their magical abilities to conjure up a bridge, but are confronted by Death, who is unhappy that they have cheated him of his potential victims. Death, under the guise of congratulating them, presents them with gifts. The first brother asks for a wand more powerful than any other. The second asks for a stone that can bring back the dead. And the third asks for a cloak of invisibility that will shield him from death's gaze. The brothers receive their gifts and go their separate ways, but come to realize that their new powers are not without consequences. The first brother is eventually killed by a thief who steals his all-powerful wand. The second brother, unable to accept the things he can't change, dies after using the stone to bring back his lost love. And the third brother, who uses his cloak to avoid death until old age, leaves the world a peaceful and happy man. The story teaches readers about the dangers of meddling with death, and that, in the end, death is an inevitable part of life. 
It also highlights the importance of humility and acceptance of one's fate. Are these stories real? While reading Beadle's tales, I found myself asking one question over and over. Are these stories real? Within Harry Potter anyway. Based on the available information, this is a difficult question to answer. These stories are presented as a part of the Wizarding World's folklore, and not much is known about their origins. However, there is one clue in the Harry Potter story which leads me to believe that there is some semblance of truth to his tales, at least to one of them. In Harry Potter, we come to understand that the three Deathly Hallows, the Elder Wand, Resurrection Stone, and Invisibility Cloak do genuinely exist. Provided that these artifacts also exist in Beadle's Tale, I think there are a few different possibilities. The first is that these stories did genuinely occur, with Beadle bearing witness to, or perhaps just hearing about, each and every one of them. In this scenario, Beadle's stories would simply directly represent real-life events that occurred. The next is that Beadle simply heard about similar stories or knew of magical objects like the Deathly Hallows and built a narrative around them. There's little evidence to support either argument, that the stories were fabricated entirely or that Beadle drew inspiration from something that he had witnessed in his life. However, given that the Hallows actually exist, I'm willing to bet that it was the latter. Officially, the tales of Beadle the Bard continually reinforce that the stories are in fact the author's original creations. However, that certainly doesn't mean that Beadle did not draw inspiration from his real-life experiences, the things that he had done or the people that he had met. We also know that claims like this don't always turn out to have much value. Cue Gilderoy Lockhart. J.K. Rowling supplies the following foreword to Beadle the Bard's book. If his stories accurately reflect his opinions, he rather liked muggles, whom he regarded as ignorant rather than malevolent. He mistrusted dark magic, and he believed that the worst excesses of wizard kind sprang from the all-too-human traits of cruelty, apathy, or arrogant misapplication of their own talents. The heroes and heroines who triumph in his stories are not those with the most powerful magic, but rather those who demonstrate the most kindness, common sense, and ingenuity. But whether they're real or not, I think it's safe to say that the tales of Beadle the Bard have made their mark in wizarding history and positively impacted wizarding culture. And that's it for this video. If you enjoy the content, please be sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel. Until next time, remember, words are, in my not-so-humble opinion, our most inexhaustible sources of magic.